Well, God bless you and welcome again to Nets Session 7. Tonight we're going to be learning about the key to receive anything from God, which is faith. Now, last time we learned a powerful truth, which is authority without power to enforce its will is no authority. Only man and God have authority, but only Satan and God have supernatural power. And the struggle is between whose power will be authorized by the authority of man. And we looked a, a little bit at King Saul and how he lost the spirit through disobedience. And he needed then to have his authority empowered by another source than God. It says that a, a distressing spirit from the Lord came, took the place of that Holy Spirit. Eventually he degraded to the place where he actually had to go to a witch to see things accomplished that he wanted to see accomplished. First he went, after, after the Spirit left him and he lost that supernatural authority, first he tried to draw his strength from the people and in that light sinned more. Then he went to the supernatural, to the witch of Endor, and sinned even greater to the point that it cost him his life. And yet we recognize that God wants us to walk in authority. God wants to empower our lives. So therefore, we need to, by faith, put ourselves in that, that position whereby He's willing to do that. Now, in Mark chapter 11, there's a record. Beginning in verse 12, it says, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, He was hungry, Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, He went to see if perhaps He would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no man eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, there's a number of things here that wouldn't be apparent to those of us in the West. One, for instance, it says he was hungry and he went to the fig tree hoping to find something, but it also says it was not the time for figs. He must have known that it wasn't the season yet. It was the springtime around the time of the Passover, and there weren't figs fully ripened yet. However, any fig tree that would, was going to have figs would have had buds at this point. And the buds were edible, they were sweet, and they could be used for food or for a snack. But when he saw that there were no buds, he knew that there was not going to be any figs. And he knew that that tree was going to be fruitless. To be fruitless in this culture was to be cursed. To be barren was to show the signs of a curse. Now there's also more to this. There's symbolic purposes in this record. See, the fig tree was the symbol of Israel. It was their national tree. And this was a foretelling that Israel was going to bring their curses upon themselves by rejecting the Messiah and saying, let his blood be upon our heads and our descendants. It was a sim symbolic, a prophetic message that Jesus saw that even as he had just come in and they had said, Hosanna, Hosanna to him, that also they were very quickly, shortly going to reject him. And he cursed the tree. Let no man eat from you ever again, he said. So when they came to Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. 
Up to this point, he reasoned and so on, but at this point, he came in with a different authority. In verse 19, And when evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. Some translations have it, Have the faith of God. The faith of God is supernatural faith. A tree wouldn't die that quickly. It also would not die from the roots up. Even if the sickness is in the roots, it would show in the top of the tree first. You can usually see it in the top, in the leaves, and the branches as it slowly works its way down. But this one died overnight, and yet it was apparent it died from the root up. Also prophetic. Have supernatural faith, Jesus said to Peter. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You must believe when you pray. Believe that you have received them and you will have them. You must believe first in order to receive. You must believe while you don't have that which you're praying for in order to receive that which you desire. The context here is a specific kind of faith. The faith of God. Supernatural faith. It would take supernatural faith to move a mountain. Just like it would take supernatural faith to curse a tree and have it die that quickly. Believe first, then you will have it. Believe that you receive it, and then you shall receive it. Then he goes on and says, If you have anything against anyone when you're praying, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. He's not speaking about eternal salvation in that category. He's speaking about getting your prayers answered. Get rid of your burdens. One way to mature in faith is to get rid of your earthly burdens. Unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, envy, all the works of the flesh burden down our spirit and keep us from entering into that supernatural realm where we can say to a mountain, be removed, where we can say to a tree, be cursed, where we can say to a blind man, see. Those things weigh us down and keep us from the supernatural faith. That's why he has, as he's teaching about prayer and about supernatural faith, he has to explain that we need to forgive, carry no burden. Now it's a powerful truth, remember. Authority without power to enforce its will is no authority. Only man and God have authority, but only Satan and God have supernatural power. The struggle is between whose power will authorize the authority of man. Faith will empower one or the other and will be empowered by one or the other. How is it that faith will both empower a spiritual authority and also be empowered by that same spiritual authority? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence 
of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The things that you're hoping for are made up of that faith. Your faith is evidence of things that you've not seen yet, as Jesus said. Believe that you have received them, even before you have them. And that which is presently available, if you have faith, you will have it. That which is not presently available, then you must hope for it. But the same faith is needed. The difference is the season and the availability. That which is presently available is available through faith. Believe first, then receive. Verse 6, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We must understand, if we want to please our Heavenly Father, it's going to take one thing, faith. We've got to supply faith to Him. Now there, there is faith for disobedience. Saul showed that. He had faith to be empowered first by the authority of the people, then by the authority of the, the supernatural realm of evil. But that faith will never please God. It must be the God kind of faith, the faith of God. If we'll supply that, then He will reward us. It takes diligence. Does that mean that it's going to take time and effort? Yes, it will. Sometimes more than we think we have. But yet, if we'll supply it, He will reward us, and He will be pleased. In Hebrews chapter 6, and verse 1 and 2, it talks about foundational doctrines. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrections from the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now, in light of faith towards God and the doctrine of baptisms, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, We have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Again, we see faith and we see baptism back to back. Only we see what seems to be a discrepancy. And as we know, there cannot be any discrepancies in the Scripture because there's one author, even though there may be many writers. And the writer of Hebrews said there was a doctrine or an instruction of baptisms, plural, whereas Paul, the writer of Ephesians, said there was one baptism. Apparently there's a contradiction, but in reality there's not. In reality there's a deeper truth. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, we read, now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. So here we see that God is faithful. And we also see a symbol that the first part of faith is exactly that, faithfulness. But there's also a completeness in man, and that is a spirit, a soul, and a body, as we've seen. Now in Genesis 1.26, we've read it before, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There's a reason it says, 
make man in our image according to our likeness. It's not speaking of man's physical form and what his face looked like, how tall he was. It's speaking of his being of spirit, soul, and body, which was made up of three parts. Even as God himself is saying here, let us make man in our image plural. God is one Lord, and yet he puts himself in the plural here because he's made up of three, as man is also made up of three. If any one part of man is missing, then man is not complete. At death, when the spirit leaves the body, the body is no longer a complete man. He's no longer one at that point. Where the Lord our God is one Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, For in Him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. Now we were spirit and soul and body before we received Him. In a sense, we were complete being that we were a human that was alive. But once we received the new birth, then we were saved. And we received the Spirit of God and our spirit of man was born again. So we are completed in Him in light of our salvation. And the fullness of the head God dwells in our Lord. The Father and the Spirit dwell in our Lord. And as we receive the Spirit of Christ, which is Christ in us, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. The Spirit descended upon Him like a dove. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost dwelling within us through the Son. The fullness of that Godhead dwells in the Son, and we are complete in Him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4-6, it says there are diversities or different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts, the empowerments of Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. The Lord Jesus ascended up on high and gave gifts unto men of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He gave those ministries. And there are diversities or differences of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. The Father who coordinates the Son and the Spirit, coordinates all that's going to happen throughout eternity, that calls the end before the beginning. So although we see there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism in Ephesians 4, 5, we understand now that every one of those listed, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, are made up of three to make them complete. They're made up of their compound completeness. And even as there's one Lord made up of our Lord Jesus, His Lord and Father, and then the Lord that works within the church, the Holy Spirit, making the complete Godhead that functions and brings deliverance to the people of God. So it is with faith. There are three kinds of faith that make up the completeness of one faith. The first is faithfulness, consistency. Faithfulness relates to the body. You can even have a dog that's very faithful, but a dog will never raise the dead. You can have a parakeet that's faithful, but he'll never lay, well, he can't lay hands, so <laughs> he'll never lay his wing on the sick and have him recover. <laughs> A cat may be faithful, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> it's potentially possible. And, uh, and yet at the same time, he'll never curse a fig tree. 
but they can be faithful because it relates to that they're alive, they can be trained to be faithful. We also need to train ourselves, relating from our mind taking dominion over our bodies. If we'll not do that, just even a natural man, will not, if he will not do that, he'll never be faithful in anything. Because if he allows his body to rule, instead of his mind to rule his body, instead of allowing his soul to rule his body, then he will never be found faithful in anything. Anyone who's been a champion in sports has been faithful. They've had to take dominion over their bodies. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. We need to understand, if we're righteous and if we're called of God and if we're walking in faith, that does not mean we're going to succeed every single time we desire something. We need to have the commitment to continue to stay faithful. The first part of faith is to be faithful. Luke 16, beginning in verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. What is much? The spirit. What is least is the natural. If you cannot be faithful in the natural, you will never be faithful in the spirit. People wonder why sometimes men of God who are strong in faith have high standards for people to live up to in the natural. But it's to their benefit because if they can never be honest in the natural, they'll never ever be released in the spiritual they'll be setting themselves up for much hurt. Verse 11, Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches, the spiritual things? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? A steward must be found faithful with what has been delegated. Luke 12, 20, uh, 42. The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom the master will make ruler over his household to give him their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. If he'll be faithful in the least, then he can be given much in time. But faithful takes time, takes effort, takes commitment, and takes consistency. Something that needs to be brought in through discipline. And if you can't be disciplined in the, the natural things, then you'll never be given true riches. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 5, But you, be watchful of all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am all ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Jesus said, that we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal. But it takes faithfulness. You see, Paul was explaining to Timothy, it takes endurance 
to keep the faith. But there's a reward for those that will keep the faith and that will endure. One that will endure will be an overcomer, which is a symbol of a more mature son. Young men, scripturally, can overcome because they have the strength to overcome. And they've had the conditioning and the discipline and the willingness to be faithful. Not to be like the parable of the sower and the seed where the sun came or where the weeds came and choked, but rather the good ground. The good ground where the seed was able to grow and have fruit some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul also said, to him, said that he disciplined his body and brought it into subjection lest when he had preached to others that he would become disqualified. And pointing out that he might have the faith to preach, but if he did not have faithfulness, that he could lose his reward. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is possible to receive a, a, a gift of faith, which that can bring blessings to others, but if you will not remain faithful, you'll lose your reward, is what Paul was saying. That's why he had to take dominion over his body. That meant faithfulness, brought discipline to his physical urges, desires, tiredness, weakness. He took dominion and he kept under it. He disciplined it. He brought it into subjection. Into subjection of what? His mind and he brought his mind to his subjection of his spirit. He put on the mind of Christ. He renewed his mind. And then his mind disciplined his body, subjected his body. See, we're called to subject the world, to, to have dominion over the world. This body is made out of the dust of the ground. If we cannot take dominion over this body, we will never be given authority to take dominion in this world. This is a symbol of that which we are to take dominion over. It's made out of the same dust. The Lord has given this to us to make this a living sacrifice. If we can make this a living sacrifice, this little pile of dirt that we have to dwell in, if we can make that a living sacrifice, then He will give us authority over more within this earth. 2 Corinthians 12, 12, He said, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you in all perseverance in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Perseverance is in the category of faithfulness. Before he ever got to the supernatural signs that he listed there, first he listed faithfulness. The ability to stay on course, although there may be adversity. The ability to stay on course, although there may be things to overcome. If we are faithful, we will please God. If we are faithful, we will be heading in a direction of that which we hope for. Faith is the substance. It's made up of the things hoped for. Now there's another kind of faith. I call it your faith because that's what the Bible calls it. 1 Peter 1.9 says, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now your faith is also a type of faith that every man in the world has. Every woman has. We all have the ability to be faithful in the physical, and we also each have faith. 
Faith, meaning your faith, is an attribute of that which comes from the soul, the mind. The end of your faith, staying on course and going in the proper direction with the effort set towards the things that God says, is the salvation of your soul. As we are born again, we are still a man of spirit, soul, and body, but now we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the resurrection. We're born again of incorruptible seed, so our spirit now is perfect, but our spirit has not been ruling. In the past, our mind or our body has been in control of our lives. Our desires, our lusts have led us. Now we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within us. It's up to us to put on the mind of Christ and to renew our mind. The way we renew our mind is basically to take our thoughts and make them subject unto God. When we renew our minds, we put our soul in submission to our spirit, which is God's. It's a higher order. In the case then, our soul is being saved. And the end is the salvation of our soul. In fact, because we are a three-part being of spirit, soul, and body, at the time of salvation, we are saved. Our spirit is saved, born again of incorruptible seed. The Spirit of God dwells within us. That's our eternal life. But now as we follow the teachings of Jesus, and He said, lay down your life, lose your life to find it. That's the word soul. If we lay down our soul our thoughts, our desires, and take up His thoughts, His desires, pick up His burdens, pick up His cross, pick up His desires for us, start doing what He would want us to do. What we are doing is we are bringing our soul into subjection to our spirit. Our soul is now being transformed. Our soul now is taking on the attributes of Christ. The more we take on the attributes of Christ, then the more salvation we will manifest so in case of point, we are saved and we are being saved. We are saved in that we have received His Spirit of eternal life and we are being saved in that we are giving up our will and receiving His will. That our soul is being saved as we put on the mind of Christ. Our soul is being saved as we put off the old man and put on the new. And we are being transformed into His likeness. As much as we have been transformed is as much of the salvation that we have received in our soul. Then there's our body, which it says that if we have died before His coming, that it will be raised when He comes. Our body will be raised. That which goes back to dust will again be raised, but as an incorruptible body. So this physical body is still awaiting a time of salvation. While we may receive healing now, by faith, still this body is a corruptible body. Rather, whether it gets raised from the dead, it still is corruptible. It still needs daily care. It's not a body like Jesus' body, which was raised in glory. So by looking at this in terms of the completeness of what we are, spirit, soul, and body, it's very clear that we can say that we are saved and we're being saved and we will be saved. All of those are accurate, but depending on which part of you we're speaking of. It's a complete thing when it's all spirit, soul, and body. 
Part of it's done, part of it's in the process, and part of it is a promise for the future. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5 says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He came, Paul came to them with authority and manifested power of God with the purpose that their faith would also be in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. His reason for bringing that authority to them as an example was to transform them from doing things the way the world did that to doing them the way God wanted them done, that he could change their faith. That didn't mean to change their supernatural faith, but to change the faith in their heart, in their soul, that they would dis decide that they were going to pursue the things of God. By deciding to pursue the things of God, and then being faithful to do the things of God, they put themselves in a position to be empowered by God. To see their authority empowering by faith God to then empower their faith and make their faith, your faith, into supernatural faith. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to, to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and, and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Then she said, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's hand, their master's table. Most people, when they come up against an obstacle to something that they want, they give up. This woman had a problem. She recognized the problem. She had a daughter that was severely demon-possessed. She recognized and properly diagnosed the problem. But she didn't have the authority to do anything about it. It needed some supernatural power in order for her daughter to be healed. She has authority as the mother, but she didn't have the power to cast out the demon. She came to Jesus, whom she perceived had the ability and the power to do something about it. But she was not of the house of Israel, and Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he was staying on course. He was being faithful to his calling. So he told her something that we wouldn't consider to be very nice. He said, I didn't come to serve you and your people, but to serve my people. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs, which is what the Jews called the Gentiles, even the little dogs eat the breadcrumbs that fall from their master's table. Here's what he said. Jesus said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And the daughter was healed from that very hour. In another record it says, I have not seen so much, so great a faith in all of Israel. 
be it done unto you according to your faith. Her faith brought her to a place where her desire could be empowered of God. Her faith brought the healing to her daughter. But without the power of God, without supernatural faith, there would not have been a healing. Her faith had to bring her to a place, and she was faithful to pursue. Even when an obstacle came, she overcame that, and thereby her daughter received healing. We need to understand if the situation is not being handled the way we would like to have it handled, we need to take the responsibility for that, or we don't have faith. Too many people give up because they blame it on the circumstances or blame it on some other person or some other thing. But with faith, we continue to pursue until we overcome. She and only she had authority over her daughter. Her faith brought her to a place where then she received an empowerment of spirit from the true God. Thereby, once again, seeing that that faith empowered the supernatural and then was empowered by that supernatural. Faith both empowers spiritual authority and is also empowered by a spiritual authority. So as we talk about the third kind of faith, the supernatural faith, Romans chapter 1, beginning in 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Quoted from Haggai's, I believe probably the most often quoted scripture in all of scripture. For the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What does that mean? From faith to faith. From one kind of faith to another kind of faith. Well, what kind are we talking about? Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. What was the word of faith? The word of salvation. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Salvation is not by any other name. The word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart you believe unto righteousness, and with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, literally will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on his name, on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, have faith in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. We will be saved and not be disappointed. Back in Romans 1, 
For in the righteousness of God it is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In reality, you have all three kinds of faith in that verse. Because it says from faith to faith. From the faith in your soul, in your believing, in your heart, to the supernatural kind of faith. Because the just shall live by faith, that's faithfulness. So you have faithfulness, the faith that you have and hold in your mind and your heart, and then the supernatural faith, which is where we're trying to go to. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. They are using their faith for other things than to go towards God, and there is a, a wrath that will come upon them. Whereas for those that will go from faith to faith to His kind of faith, to go from your faith to His faith, then there it says that He rewards those that are just and walk by faith, that diligently seek Him. If we're diligent, we will be rewarded, and we will go from faith to faith. It will take effort. It will take time. And it will take our word. We must confess. As that woman confessed, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. What she did was, by saying those words, she put herself in a position to receive salvation from heaven. When we confess Jesus as Lord and believe God raised Him from the dead, then we have spoken words which put us, ourselves in a position to receive salvation. To bring ourselves from a place of our faith into His supernatural faith, it's by speaking and believing. When we speak and believe simultaneously the right things in the right place, supernatural faith brings supernatural events. John 14, 13. And whoever, excuse me, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, there are many people that pray in the name of Jesus and don't receive the results of what they're praying for. Because to pray in His name signifies more than just saying that name. To pray in His name is to be praying in His will. Jesus, when he prayed and said to the Father in the garden, not my will be done, but your will be done. He prayed, but then he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And the Father's will was done. And Jesus could say, I always do the Father's will. So when we ask anything in his name, we must believe, but it must be his will. Now, we can do as the Gentiles and use our faith for our desire. And we can believe and have faith for things that are not His will and still see them come to pass. Because as we see there, there are many that do that and they're going to receive the wrath of God. But as we bring ourselves, our souls, which is ourselves, into subjection to that Spirit, bringing our will into subjection to His will, when we ask anything in His name, He will do it. That's why the next verse says, and if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because that's how we see if we're asking according to His will. Are we doing His will? Is our desire to live His will? 
Are we bringing ourselves into subjection to His commandments, to His will? Therefore, when we ask, we receive because it is His will. And He's more than willing to empower the authority that we have on earth as sons of men with the authority that He has in heaven as Son of God. And the power of God then empowers our words and miracles occur. And He rewards us. Then He rewards others. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things to him who is the head, even Christ. Remember, in order to grow up from a spiritual infant that doesn't speak, we need to speak the right things. We need to grow up so we can speak the mature things of God. We need to speak the things that a mature son of God would speak. We need to grow up out of the infant stage that speaks infantile things so that we can speak the truth in love. That's how we grow up. The word was found and I did eat it, Jeremiah said. And it became the joy and rejoicing of my heart because what he ate helped him grow. When he ate spiritual food, his spirit grew. When you eat spiritual food, your spiritual faith grows. When you eat the word and you speak the word in love, then you grow up from an infant to a mature son. I'd like to look at young David and the record of David and the Philistine Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here was a young man. He'd been anointed as king, but he was just taking care of sheep for his father like he'd been doing before. But on this particular day, he came to bring his brothers some food while they were in the army under Saul. And he was appalled to see this great giant come out every day and curse the living God and curse the armies of the living God. And in 1 Samuel 17, 37, it says, Moreover, David said... The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul, the king, said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, David came out there, and he had already been anointed as king, so he knew he had a special anointing to walk in authority, a spiritual authority. But he was faithful with that. He just didn't take that and then go back to the sheep and forget that he had it. He went back to the sheep and then walked in power as much as he could where he was. What was he? Faithful in his house. He did what, did what Jesus said to do. He was faithful in that which was least so that he could then one day be entrusted with that which was most. He was faithful in the physical. He didn't go out to the sheep and when the lion came, run away and say, I couldn't do anything. Sorry all the sheep are gone. He didn't blame it on the circumstances, but rather he rose up by his faith, stepped out, and was able to kill that lion. When the bear came, he didn't say, oh, I must not have faith or there wouldn't be an obstacle in the way. He didn't say, oh, God must not be in this because if God was in this, it would go smoothly. No, he didn't. He said, that bear is coming to kill these sheep. These sheep are my wards. So therefore, I'm going to rise up in faith and I'm going to kill the bear. And he did. And God empowered him so that he was able to do that which would have been impossible for a 17-year-old to do. 
and he killed the lion, and he killed the bear. He took care of that which was entrusted to him, so then God could entrust him with more. He didn't make excuses, but he did it, and did it well. And then, when he came here and saw this Philistine, he submitted himself to the proper authority, and he went to the king and said, Look, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear, gave his credentials of faithfulness. And the king, amazingly enough, said, Okay, go ahead. That put him in a position now to step up even higher into a higher level of faith, a higher level of empowerment. In verse 39, And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. This is the, Saul, the armors of Saul. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. What I want you to notice here, in verse 737, Moreover, David said, In verse 39, And David said to Saul, his words are preparing him for the battle. They are putting on and they are taking off. Putting on what needs to be put on, taking off that which would hinder. Even as we need to be unburdened so that we can be released to have supernatural faith. He was unburdening himself with the armor of Saul even as he put on the authority of God to go after the enemy of the one true God. Well, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in his shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man that bore the shield went before him, so two against one. And when the Philistine looked about, he saw David... He disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So the Philistine spoke to David, and then he cursed him. That's when you begin to curse, you're sending spiritual authority. This Philistine walked in spiritual authority, but it was not empowered by God, but empowered by Satan. As a man, he had authority on earth, but his words were empowered by supernatural authority from another spiritual realm. David had authority on earth as a man made of the dust of the ground, but his words then were empowered by a supernatural force, God Almighty, from heaven. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said, to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. Remember Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, he came in the name of the Lord God. He came by putting himself in the position that he was doing God's will. It was God's will that that Philistine be taken out of the picture. But it was also God's will that it be done properly. That's why David had to come and declare the goodness of God. And he had to come in the authority that he had been raised up in. In the authority in which he was faithful is the authority which God empowered him in. It's the same for us. 
If we will be faithful where God has placed us, then God will use that faithfulness to empower the supernatural through our lives and ministries. But if we're not faithful, then He has nothing to empower until we are faithful. David had learned how to use the sling. And he learned how to use the staff. And he said to the Philistine, This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in, in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my, our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. You see, David, not only did he say what was going to happen, but he could picture it. He saw it in his mind. He described to the Philistine what he saw was going to happen even before it happened. And he called it into being. He believed it before he received it. That's why he could attain it. That's why he could receive it. And David put out his hand, put his hand into his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine. He prevailed because of faithfulness. And that faithfulness was empowered by supernatural authority. And supernatural authority of a little man with a little stone was able to bring down a giant. And he prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. What David did was he went and took the sword of the Philistine and cut off his head with his own sword, a symbol of what we can do with supernatural faith. When we walk out in faithfulness, become confident in that which we're, what we're empowered to do, then when it comes time and we ask in his name, he empowers us and we're able to take the sword of the enemy to use against the enemy. And we literally take authority from the enemy who has stolen authority on this earth. Amen. Supernatural blessings are released the sword of the spirit which he had was his words which became the sword of the enemy which he took in his hand just as Moses threw down his rod and it turned into a serpent when he picked up that serpent it became a rod in his hand Jesus said also that we would take up serpents that by our faithfulness we will be put in a position where the God of heaven will empower our faith with his faith and a supernatural faith will occur that we will go from faith to faith and we will walk by faith and we will literally take the sword of the enemy by the sword of the word of God which we speak. Praise God. We'll be rewarded because the just shall live by faith. We will preside in the spiritual in Matthew 17 is a great record. It says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. It's a figure of speech, meaning right away. Then the disciples came to him privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? See, these disciples had gone out with authority. They had been given authority by the Lord. And they'd gone out and seen many miracles, many people delivered, and many demons come out. But this particular one, and sometimes it's the one that we can't take care of that hangs us up. We, we all of a sudden forget all the great successes and we get stuck on the one that we couldn't take care of. Don't get hung up. Keep pressing in. Stay faithful. The just shall live by faithfulness. They were faithful. Even though he said they're a faithless generation talking to the Father, but he's told them too. Let's read it. They came to him and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Now they had been casting out demons. They had faith to cast out demons. But yet this particular one, Jesus said it was because of their unbelief that they couldn't cast it out. What does this tell us? It tells us that we can grow in faith. We have to grow in faith. It's like anything. We grow from faith to faith, but we grow in faith as we are faithful. We need to grow up. Speaking the truth in love will grow up. He said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you that if you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say unto this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. If you have that kind of faith, what kind of faith is like a grain of a mustard seed? God kind of faith. A tiny, tiny bit, the mustard seed being the smallest of all the seeds, a tiny, tiny bit of that kind of faith is worth more than all your faithfulness and all your faith because it's supernatural faith. But without your faithfulness and without your faith, you will never put yourself in a position to receive the grain of the mustard seed, which is needed to move the mountain. And unbelief keeps us from receiving the God kind of faith. However, he said to instruct them, this kind goes not out except but by prayer and fasting. Let's look at this record also in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, this is to the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. What have we said in the past? No one's a failure till they blame someone else. That it's by your faith you're able to receive. He said, all things are possible. If we want to walk the life of faith, then we're going to have to take responsibility upon our own shoulders for that which happens. That means there's going to be times when we fail. There's going to be times when we fall, maybe seven times. But yet we still have to take the responsibility and say, why did this happen? Because of my unbelief. That's what the disciples were, were told. Is it wrong to have unbelief? Yes or no. We want to get to the place where we don't have any unbelief, but we all have it. What's really wrong is to keep it. 
As we grow in faith, what do we find but places where we have not grown? That's unbelief. So therefore, when we discover where we've not grown in faith, then we need to pursue that and persevere in that area and be faithful in that area so that God can then empower us. If we see that place where we have unbelief, then to pursue the power of God, which means we need to be faithful in that area until our faith brings us to the place where we speak and God does, and then we have no unbelief anymore. All things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What Does anybody have total unbelief? No. He said, I believe. Does anybody have total believing? No, <laughs> only Jesus. It's not wrong to have unbelief. It's wrong to keep it. The unbelief limits God. But to take your belief, your faith, and bring it to God and say, I'm being faithful, even though I have some unbelief, would you help me? And his answer is going to be, of course I'll help you. Just like it was to that father. He said, anything's available to him who believes. And he said, I believe, help my unbelief. He believed, that's why he brought his son. He knew his son had a problem. He also knew he couldn't help his son. And yet he knew in his heart somebody could, and he was going to be faithful to find that somebody, or find that place, or find the one that could speak the word of power, who could take the sword of the Spirit and use that sword to take off the head of the enemy that had vexed his son. And when the, when the Lord told him, anything's available to him who believes, he said, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? And he received that which he was desiring. He put himself in a position to receive that mustard seed of faith, which is the supernatural faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But by our faithfulness, by bringing our will into submission of His will, then we are able to go from faith to faith. Amen.